We have sung the metrical version of, or a metrical version of Psalm 16. That will sort of serve as our scripture reading. You see the words of the English Standard Version translation there in your bulletin. And I will go through them in a minute. Sort of an annotated version of Psalm 16. Portraits are paintings or drawings or photographs or engravings of a person, or they can be representations or impressions of someone or something in language or film, as in. A self-portrait is a portrait of an artist produced or created by that artist. Prophecies are predictions, forecasts, uh, big word, prognostication. They're foretelling of events yet to come at the time of the telling. Promises are declarations or assurances that one will do a particular thing, or that a particular thing will happen. They're pledges, vows, guarantees, oaths, bonds, covenants, and so forth. I've just told you nothing you didn't already know. Uh, but I told you that because uh, we find each of these things in Psalm 16. Uh, it gives us a portrait, it gives us a prophecy, and it gives us a promise. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But first, let's pray. Our God and our Father, this is your word, given by you, by your spirit, through your man, David. Lord, you've given it to us that we might be strengthened, built up, in our faith and confirmed in it. Lord, I pray by your spirit you use it to that end this morning for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, Psalm 16 gives us, first of all, a, a self-crafted word portrait of David by David. It betrays, first of all, a uh, a committed person, verses 1 through 7. A person committed to God. Verse 1, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, there in all caps, you see, I say to the Lord, that is to Yahweh, the living God, you are my Lord, lowercase, you are my master. I have no good apart from you. He's committed to God. First of all, again, for refuge. Uh, if you read on, preserve there in, in verse 1. It's literally, you watch over me. Probably asking for ongoing protection in this life rather than uh, uh, deliverance from, from present uh, uh, circumstances which seem to be pretty favorable. He's, he's committed to God 
for his well-being. I have no good apart from you. You compare Psalm 73, 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Sort of reminds of Peter's uh, uh, question to Jesus. You know that all the folks who were leaving Jesus, they were turning their backs and going off. He looks at the 12 and he says, are you going to leave too? Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And David's saying he's found everything he needed or wanted in his Lord. Not only is David committed to God, he's committed to God's people. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. He treasured the communion of the saints, the fellowship of fellow believers in God, fellow travelers on the way of faith. He's committed to God's worship. Worship of the one true God. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. There the false gods are drink offerings of blood. I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. I will sacrifice only to you the living and true God, he says. And that's not the only time he said that. Psalm 32.10, for instance, Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Is committed to God's provision. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And he used the language of the Lord's distribution of the promised land uh, among the Israelites to portray God's good provision of life to him. Lord, you cause all things to fall out well for me, is the effect of that verse. He's committed to God's good counsel. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart, my innermost being, that which is under the Lord's influence, instructs me, it chastises me, it disciplines me, it trains me, all of those things, and sort of patted together and put into that word instructs. It portrays not only a committed person, but a confident person. He was secure in this life. I have set the Lord always before me as a trustworthy guide, as well as a counselor and a teacher. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. All in this life, in the here and now, in in this moment. But he's also secure for eternity. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And that's the song. That's the song we sang, and that's the song we're considering this morning. Lessons from these 11 verses of of Psalm 16. In verse 9, note that 
the word therefore there that it begins with. And it, it harkens back to everything he's just said, but particularly to, to verse 8. He's saying, in effect, because I have this God, because this God is mine, to whom I've given myself in wholehearted commitment, he's given me great confidence for this life and the next. And here, don't miss the connection between commitment and confidence. It's hard to have confidence in someone or something you've made no commitment to, you have no commitment to. Why should you expect anything from them? Willem Van Gammon, Old Testament scholar, has written this. The primary significance of the text, these verses, is David's confidence that his relationship with God won't end with death. And that is the meaning of the text. But, while I agree with that, subsequent events in David's life, perhaps in your and my life, may well raise the question whether his and perhaps our confidence was well placed and well-founded. Ponder that as we move on. While Psalm 16 gives us a, a vivid, even if incomplete, portrait of David, it also gives you and me a prophecy of Jesus. Listen to Peter. On the day of Pentecost, recorded in Acts chapter 2, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of the lawless man. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, and then he quotes, Psalm 16, these verses 8 through 11 of our psalm, the, the section about David's confidence for this life and the following. And then Peter says, having quoted all that, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. David's confidence get him. He's dead. He's buried. A thousand years later, he can say his tomb's still there and it isn't empty. What does that do to your confidence? But, there's that gospel word. But, it always, never say but. But, it's a gospel word. It changes everything. It stands everything up on it in its head. Peter continues in, in the 30, verses 30 to 32 in Acts 2. Being therefore a prophet, 
And knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. That he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. And of that we all are witnesses. And it was that that the apostles preached through the book of Acts. God raised this man, Jesus, up from the dead. The first fruits of your and my resurrection. And then you hear Paul, later on, Acts 13, echoing the very words of Peter. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this He has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that He raised Him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, He has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says in another psalm, this very psalm that we're looking at, Psalm 16, you will not let your holy one see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Both Peter and Paul preached the gospel, preached the good news of life and resurrection in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I confess something. I have no idea how much David knew of the future. Or of the Messiah. But I know this. By the Holy Spirit he pointed Israel. And you and me to the Savior. And to all the blessings for this life and the life to come. That are only in and through him. This I know. But not only does Psalm 16 and give us a portrait prophecy. It gives you and me a promise of eternity. Paul gives the basis of that promise in 1 Corinthians 15. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. The promise rests on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul gives the essence of the promise. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is 
your sting. The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul gives us then our response at the end of chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. In other words, stay committed, stay confident. David, a millennium before Christ, showed us the Christian life. It's one of faith, commitment to, and confident hope in Jesus Christ. Crucified, dead, buried, and risen for you and your salvation. So we can say with Paul, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And we can sing. And it's all right to sing this the other 51 Sundays of the year other than Easter. You know, sometimes there are those hymns we, we can't sing outside of this box. We can sing, Jesus lives and so shall I. Death, thy sting is gone forever. He who deigned for me to die lives the bonds of death to sever. He shall raise me with the just. Jesus is my hope and trust. Amen. And there ends the sermon, sort of. It's a sermon for believers. It's it's addressed to you who are Christians. But to you who perhaps aren't, it's meant as an invitation to commit your trust to Jesus that you as well may live in such confident hope. We'd love to speak to you about that after the service. Any one of these people here at South Baton Rouge or me would be delighted to talk to you about that.